The fig tree puts forth its figs, the vines are in blossom, and the time of singing has come. Amen. Please be seated. One moment, I'm going to remove my mask. It's tempting to make this whole sermon about washing our hands, <laughs> but I'm not going to, as tempting as that is. So why do love songs have such power over us? It's the question that jumped to my mind this week. Let me show you what I mean. Think of the first love song you really remember. The first love song that really made you feel the first love song that pulled you right into your heart. Do you remember where you were when you heard it? When you hear it now, does it still transport you back to that moment or to that time in your life? Does it connect you immediately with your heart? Why do love songs have such power over us? Maybe it's At Last by Etta James. Maybe it's your song by Elton John. As I was writing this sermon, I got curious, so I emailed the entire Christchurch staff and asked for their love song, the song that does this for them. And I got a long list. I made a Spotify playlist that maybe I'll send the link out so you can hear. But I heard titles like What I Like About You by The Romantics, As Time Goes By by Dooley Wilson, Maybe I'm Amazed by Paul McCartney, even How to Love by Lil Wayne. <laughs> Young folks know that one. For what it's worth, for me, when I hear the opening slide guitar from Lone Star's Amazed, I am transported back. Back to a school gym in Fairhope, Alabama, and to my grade school dances as I swayed with my crush no less than two feet away. I listened to that song in writing the sermon. It doesn't sound the same as it did in my memory. Um, but here we are. Love songs are so powerful. And they're powerful because they capture that feeling of falling in love, of free falling, right? When you're infatuated, when anything is possible. They capture those early days of any kind of love with a people or a project or an animal or anything, that early love when you're living from your heart and you're free. You're absolutely free. And this is the reason that pop charts, pop charts are continually filled with love songs. And there's a reason, if you're anything like me, when that perfect song comes on on that perfect day, you roll down the windows in your car and you sing along. You can't help it. The style of music has changed over time, but the sentiment rarely does. From Frank Sinatra to Van Morrison to Taylor Swift, even to Olivia Rodrigo, who's the current pop sensation, all the songs are basically the same. They're all songs about the power of love. The theologians Huey Lewis and the News sang, it's strong and it's sudden and it's cruel sometimes, but it might just save your life. It's the power of love. I see hunters singing along. Don't tempt me, I'll call on you to sing. 
These songs are powerful because love is powerful. Love is the most powerful force in all of creation. And these love songs are powerful for us because we are driven, we're controlled by our hearts. We like to think that we're controlled by our thinking. And we are good Episcopalians, so we're very rational. Thank you very much. We're not going to talk about our feelings too much because we're, we're in our heads. We can think through this. These love songs show us that we are not in control. At least our heads are not in control. But that doesn't stop us from trying to think our way through life. For even the greatest love song ends, and the credits always roll at the end of every romantic comedy, and so we retreat back to our heads very quickly. You might be doing it right now. You just thought about that love song and you got in your feels a little bit. You're like, wait a second, this is a sermon. Let me get back in my head. In every love, no matter how bright the sparks fly at the beginning, you always move back to your head from your heart. And the key to any lasting relationship with another human or an animal or a passion project is to come back to your heart as often as you can, to remember those first feelings as often as possible. Now, this is easier said than done, at least for me. I live in my head. I can get so trapped in my thoughts and my worries that I completely lose track of reality very quickly. Perhaps you can relate. My head is a dangerous neighborhood to be in sometimes. I can be so mired down in logic and reason that I try to understand and plan all of my next moves and my future. And not only that, I plan other people's lives for them. It's wonderful. I have plans for my day, plans for my life, my marriage, my children's lives, the church's life. It's all expectations on top of expectations, which leads to resentments on top of resentments. And in short, I'm in the anti-love, the opposite of love. I'm in my head. In 12-step groups, they say, if you stay in your head, you're dead. That's true for me. When I'm trapped in my head, I have to take that 18-inch journey down to my heart. And in my better moments, I can make that journey really quickly. But often, I have to land in the ditch. I have to crash or have an argument or put my foot squarely in my mouth before I can make that journey back to my heart to remember the love song feelings. Now that 18-inch journey from our head to our heart shows up in today's readings. And I would say it's the core of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For as Jesus tells us this morning in the gospel, the heart rules all. Now, our first reading came from the Song of Solomon, and we don't hear that reading or that book very often on Sunday mornings. And to be perfectly honest, I'm surprised it made it into the Bible. When you get a chance, read the Song of Solomon. The first line says something about kissing, right? Like it just goes right in to love. It's a love song on par with the Reverend Al Green or Prince or any of the big names. We often hear it at wed read at weddings, right? 
The passage we heard this morning is a classic wedding reading. So in this morning, we hear a bride describing her love, and she's employing all the tools of metaphor and poetic imagery to capture that feeling of falling in love. It reads like any pop song. Look, he comes, leaping upon the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag, right? You can see her kind of fanning herself. It's that first love feeling. And her beloved responds, arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. Winter is past. Everything's going to be okay. We're in love. The Song of Solomon is a love story between two people. But it's long been interpreted as a metaphor for the relationship between God and God's chosen people. It describes in great detail the emotions and feelings of a love shared between God and the people of Israel. What happens later, though, is what happens in all loving relationships, and that infatuation fades. We see from the first moment of creation, God longed to be in relationship. We see this Song of Solomon kind of feeling. Do you remember God takes long walks in the garden with Adam and Eve? It's those early days where you want nothing more than to be with this other person. But then, I'm going to give you the Cliff's Notes of the Hebrew Bible here. We fall out of love. We fall out of our heart and go right back to our head. We see the people of God fall away and fail to live up to their end of the covenant. And so we see God responding, God reaching out. We see the prophets standing outside of a house with a radio overhead like John Cusack and say anything, doing whatever they can anything to get God's people to come back to their heart. Now, it all comes to a head in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Over and over again, we see the Pharisees and the religious leaders of Jesus' day trapped in their heads. They've lost the thread of love. They're like partners in a long-term relationship that have lost touch with those first feelings. Or as the Righteous Brothers sang, it's a good name for a sermon illustration, right? The Righteous Brothers sang, baby, something beautiful's dying because you've lost that loving feeling. I paused because it took everything in me not to sing that line. You've lost that loving feeling. Whoa, that loving feeling. Yes, the religious leaders are caught up in the scorekeeping that marks the demise of any relationship. I unloaded the dishwasher twice last week, they said. You haven't unloaded it at all. You're just putting your dishes in the sink. Okay, maybe that's not what they said, but it's close. And they say it to Jesus and his band of love fools who are just wandering around loving each other and being present and come on, we have rules. These Pharisees have taken the law of God and made it a checklist. And they're heaven-bent on checking everything off and making sure that everyone else does too. They are in their heads, 100%. And that's what we see in today's gospel. These loveless leaders corner Jesus with a gotcha question. And Jesus comes back at them with a verse from that prophetic love song of Isaiah. 
He says, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Or in the immortal words of the band Heart, and this is one of Jarek's favorite songs, what about love? I only want to share it with you. I can't sing like Heart, so I won't even try that. Jesus says, you're in your heads, but you need to take that 18-inch journey down to your heart. Jesus says, all the intentions, all of your possible intentions, both good and evil, come from the heart. It's the seat of all of our real motivations. And the problem over and over again is we get trapped in our heads, obsessing over knowing the right thing or doing the right thing, planning, scheming, checking, cross-checking, and all generally to justify ourselves or to make ourselves whole. Or really, to avoid that feeling of free-falling, that scary feeling of trusting. And the trouble with being in our heads, with making the lists, with being like the Pharisees in today's gospel is we actually don't have any of that power. When you first fell in love, and this can be with anything, did you have power over that situation? Did you control it? No. In fact, if we had more time, we'd go around and share, but I bet it was probably an inopportune moment, inopportune time, maybe the wrong person, the wrong thing. You're supposed to love this job, but you actually love this job, right? We have no power over that. And this love of God, this love of God is just like that love. It's scary. It requires giving in. It requires trust and faith. And too often, without knowing you in great detail, I would say, this is probably true of you, we retreat to our heads out of fear of that trust and that faith. We retreat to our heads because it seems like we have control. Now this last week or two, or really this last 18 months, I think we've all been in our heads a lot. We've all been trapped in our heads, trying to figure out what's gonna come next, what do I do? When will this end? How much worse can it get? Some of us have lost a lot. And when we lose, we often retreat to our heads. But the problem that I've found is when I retreat to my head out of hopelessness and fear, nothing gets better. Actually, it gets worse. Remember I said my head is a dangerous neighborhood. When I'm feeling hopeless at the state of the world and I go to my head, things generally only get more hopeless. Things generally only get worse. Because there isn't actually a to-do list that's long enough to do all that needs to be done, to heal the world, to heal ourselves, to make us feel whole. There is no scheme we can come up with to do that. So Jesus comes and he offers us a way out. 
a way to take that 18-inch journey from our head to our heart once and for all. And what he offers us is a new heart. The psalm says, create in me a new heart, O God. And that prayer is answered in Jesus. In our College for Purity, each week we pray that God would cleanse the thoughts of our hearts. In our opening prayer today, we ask that God would graft in our hearts the love of your name. Notice that the actor in all of this is God. God is cleansing our hearts. God is grafting in our hearts. God is creating new hearts in our chests. The love that we are longing for, even when we're trapped in our heads, is available to us this morning. And it's available in abundance. We get a glimpse of it when we hear that favorite love song, when we're transported back to that moment in time when we were free. We get a glimpse of that feeling in the reading from the Song of Solomon. It's over the top and cheesy and emotional and spot on for that feeling of love. And we get a solid glimpse of that love in the bread and wine of communion. It's a sacrament. It's an outward and visible sign of this abundant love that's available for us, this grace and blessing that's poured out for us. I know it is easy to be trapped in our heads these days, to keep track of the scorecard, to lose that loving feeling. Whoa, that love and feeling. I couldn't, I just couldn't resist. I had to sing it. It's going to be in my head all day. Now it's in yours. It's a blessing. When we lose that loving feeling, whoa, 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 that loving feeling, Jesus invites us to take that 18-inch journey from our hearts to settle here, to remember the power of love, and to rest knowing that the love that holds the stars in the universe holds us together here this morning. So if you have retreated to your head already this morning, it's okay, it's natural, but I invite you to return. Come back to your heart. Throw out the scorecard and the to-do list and rest. The melody that moves us in our favorite love song is the same deep melody that sounds with the beat of every human heart. It's the song of God's everlasting, overwhelming, and abundant love for people like you and me. Amen.